go into this new week and this new month, it shall be, you shall be surrounded with favor. Amen. God will keep you from every form of evil. Amen. And he will order your steps. You will be at the right place, at the right time, with the right people, doing the right things. In the precious name of Jesus. I said in the precious name of Jesus. We're blessed this morning to have worshiping with us uh, for the first time at the Elevation Church. Uh, Pastor Yemi Odusholu from Trinity Chapel, RCCG, in London, England, from East London. Bless welcome, Pastor Yemi Odusholu. Pastor, thank you for taking time out to worship with us this morning. Please give our love to uh, the entirety of Trinity Chapel, a great church uh, that I've known for a while. I've been there to minister once or twice in the past, and it's such a pleasure to have uh, Pastor Yemi Odusholu worshiping with us this morning. Let's get into the Word of God. Uh, Let's get into the word. I hope you are praying for Nigeria. I said, I hope you are praying for Nigeria. Now, the, the, the series that we're starting this morning, it's, uh, it's a special series because I know God wants to use it to bring a cleansing to our church and to reawaken our consciousness to our work of righteousness with God. Some of the things I'll be you know, teaching my team and I this period Maybe things that you haven't heard in a while. We're going to confront certain issues. I want you to open your heart and receive it with humility, knowing that God wants to transform your life. I'm not going to overflog this first message because we have the rest of the month, excluding the Accelerate Weekend, to deal with this issue. We've tagged this a good name. And this is the first message in the series, a good name. In the skit that we saw just before I came up, we saw the value of a good name. A good name. Some of us don't, no longer value. When we say, what do you want to leave behind as your legacy? You think about the inheritances you give your children. Forgetting that the greatest inheritance that your children should pick up from you is the name. So that when they show up anywhere, they are recognized as a child of somebody with integrity, somebody with character, somebody who has made a good contribution our world. A good name, the value of integrity. Let's start with this one this morning. A good name, the value of integrity. I'll read from Proverbs 22 and verse number 1. Just one verse. Um, I'll read some other verses as I go on, but this is the anchor scripture for this new teaching series. Proverbs 22 and verse 1. I wish Proverbs 22 and verse 1 would become a memory verse for every Nigerian adult that we will live with, we will meditate on from time to time. From the New King James Version, it says a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. Loving favor rather than silver and gold. A good name is to be chosen. It means we have a choice when it comes to a good name. First and foremost, we have a choice. A good name is to be chosen. It means that I can choose a bad name. Knowingly or knowingly, but I've made a choice to have a bad name. By the way I live my life and by my disposition towards moral values. I've made a choice. But scripture says a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. Loving favor rather than silver and gold. I love the message translation of the same scripture. Message translation renders it this way. It says, a sterling reputation is better than striking it rich. A gracious spirit is better than money in the bank. 
A sterling reputation is better than striking it rich. A gracious spirit is better than money in the bank. What a way to render it. What a way to render it. We live in a time that issues of character, integrity, holiness are starting to take the back burner. And what is the front burner are issues of breakthrough, prosperity, where the young people, they call it hammer. Yeah. I want to hammer. Am I saying the truth? What's the second way to put it? Blow. Yes. I'm trying to remember. Yeah. To blow. I want to blow. And I ask somebody, I say, when you blow, what would it mean? Yeah. If you blow, you have blown. Yeah. And some people are blowing their way out of the kingdom because of the unthinkable things that they are willing to do just for the sake of money or influence, affluence, as the case may be. But it's time for us to really think about it from God's perspective. And in this series, we're going to be checking out some issues about the moral construct of our nation and how the psyche of the nation is beginning to affect all of us and how we live our lives. Praise God, somebody. So I want you to follow me very carefully this morning. If you have been very conversant with social media, you will understand that there's a wave that started last year. The hashtag MeToo. Sometimes last year, the hashtag MeToo started, I think, around October or so last year, 2017. Um, a man, a strong figure in Hollywood, Abbey Weinstein, was um, accused of sexual molestation, sexual harassment, you know, and all that. I've forgotten the name of the young lady, the actress that brought it up. Uh, many of us know the story. And it has started since then and continued. Many other people have been fingered since then. Many of the cases are in court. Some have tried to settle out of court. Some people have been stripped of their Oscar award. Some have been stripped of whatever all of fame that they belong to just because of what happened. And um, in January this year, the Times Up, after Times Up campaign, which was an offshoot of the Me Too campaign, also started. In fact, some people, January this year, and if you can check the website, uh, um, uh, Time's Up, I think, um, timesup.com or timesupnow.com, something like that, some people have even raised up to $13 million as a fund to support anyone that has a case of sexual harassment or sexual molestation and cannot afford to pay the, the, the the legal bills. Yeah. The money is there. People are accessing it just to push through the legal bill. Because the reason why some people don't even talk is because when it becomes a court case, they can't afford it. And then if it's a, it's a place like Nigeria, everybody's going to come after you to say you are the one that wants to spoil the reputation of the person, of our brother, of our sister, in some cases, of our pastor. 
Praise God. And I, I wonder, while I was preparing for this message, if the Me Too campaign or times of campaign will start to become pervasive in Nigeria. I wonder how many people in my congregation will stand. I, mean, I wonder how many CEOs here will be fingered. I wonder how many managers here will be fingered. I wonder how many pastors. Yeah. And not just at church, but all over the place. Because the Bible says, having in readiness to avenge all disobedience when your obedience is complete. The big question at this time is our obedience complete? Do we still have at the fore of our mind a great value for moral uprightness, for a love of integrity, a love of character, and that God's, you know, attribute, the chief of God's attribute, which is holiness? Is this still at the fore of our mind? Is this something that we still regard as highly as all of other God's, you know, attributes? Because, I mean, some of us love God so much and we love all his attributes. But that particular one, you know, I've talked about God's attribute of being a creative God before. We've talked about God as, you know, being a God of mercy before. A God of this, a God of that. But God is also holy. Yeah. And one, that's one, one major attribute of God that he expects. That we as his children will imbibe and live out. That we imbibe and live out. That we understand that a good name is to be chosen. So we have a choice whether we want to choose a, a good name or a bad name. So the reward of bad character will show up quicker than you think. And it's already happening. The reward of bad character will show up quicker than you think. So when you look at what's happening in Hollywood right now, it's a reward of bad character that is showing up. Some people think it's when you get to the gate of whatever we, wherever we got that from. The gate of heaven. That's where the book of reckoning will then be open. Some books of reckoning will be open right here on earth. And I see that the campaign is sweeping in gradually. Yeah. Uh, because in the past few weeks, we've seen one or two university professors whose detailings have been watched in public. A young lady put, up, put a call through to a professor right here in Nigeria and was trying to talk to him about the exam and how she was going to pass the exam. And the man said, it's, I don't know what the man was talking about. He said, five times. He said, five times. An old man, yeah, who's been a professor for many years, talking to a lady, I'm not even sure any of his own children is as young as that lady, but yet five times. You want to sleep with a young lady five times for one course? See, the truth is that one time is not even, it's not okay, but, so don't even go there. I'm not trying to bargain. This is not about bargaining. What is bad is bad. So that you don't get it wrong or get it twisted. What is bad is completely bad. And thank God that young lady set him up, recorded it. That man has been stripped of all his honor and sacked from that university. This is just a few weeks ago. Because of the alumnus of the university that may be here, I'm not going to talk about the name of the school. I mistakenly mentioned that in the first service. Yeah. And it's not just one university. Yeah. We've heard of many others. In the past month, there were revelations. And it's coming gradually. It's coming gradually. That's why we need to jack ourselves up again. 
So for every man in this church, for every woman in this church, it's time that we understand that God has an expectation of us. He wants us to build from inside out the moral fortitude that can withstand the thickness of darkness that we have in, in our nation. Because when we get to heaven, there's no separate line for Nigerian Christians. Yeah. There, there will be no separate line for Nigerian Christians. It's one line. One line. One line. Daniel chapter 6. Let's look at the life of Daniel. Daniel chapter 6 from verse 1. Daniel lived in the kind of corruption that some of us are living in right now in our industry. Our industries are pervasive with corrupt practices. Almost all the industries that you can think of. Daniel lived in corruption. In fact, the king or the president at Daniel's time maybe kind of had the same kind of posture that our current, this current administration, you know, seem to be talking about, which is to fight corruption. So in Daniel chapter 6, when you read from verse 1, it's very instructive. The Bible says, it pleased Darius, Darius be the king then, to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these, three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps may give account to them so that the king will suffer no loss. The king didn't want any draining of money or resources and stealing. So he appointed Daniel and two other governors at the same level with Daniel and 120 satraps. You can call them whether legislators or local government chairmen or whatever. They do the, 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 the lower work, report to the governors. And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, verse two, that the satraps may give account to them so that the king will suffer no loss. Verse 3, then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. The king gave thought to set him over the whole realm. Daniel distinguished himself completely. To the point that the king said, you know what? Let him be next to me. Let the governors report to him and the satraps report to the governors. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could not find, they, they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Nor was there any error or fault found in him. Daniel lived in the midst of corruption and corrupt people. They looked for, you know, one trap or the other for him. The moment they saw that Daniel, like we say in our own climb, will not allow them to chop. Does that resonate with you? It means that he will not allow them to carry on their corrupt practices to enrich themselves. They started to look for how to set a trap for Daniel. If there's anyone in this congregation this morning that any trap has been set for you, I pray for you today that by the grace of the almighty God, you will escape that trap. That you will shine in the midst of darkness. That darkness will not overwhelm you. In the name of Jesus. So they set a trap for Daniel. Many people are falling for traps around here. Many people have 
come to the point where the rule of the game is if you can't beat them, join them. Daniel said, that's not going to be the rule of the game with me. It's not going to be if you can't beat them, join them. I'm not going to take whatever doesn't belong to me. I'm going to focus on this job and do it well. Then this man, verse 5, said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So they said it's only in devotion, his devotional life to his God, that we can find a fault against him. So to cut the long story short, you can read the whole of Daniel chapter 6 when you get home. What it did was to say, you know what? Let's set him up. And this is the only way to set him up is that he's a worshiper of God, the God of Israel. Daniel being, you know, a Jew. So, they went and spoke to the king. Everybody in this realm are supposed to, is supposed to worship you. So, the next 30 days, we wanted to sign a decree. And it's going to be by an irrevocable order of the Supreme Court of their days. So that nothing can tamper with it. Every, anybody that worship any other god apart from Darius, the king, for the next 30 days, will throw the person into the lion's den. The king, not knowing what was going on, and not knowing it was a trap, to get his most trusted hand out so that they can do whatever they like, signed it unknowingly. When they went after Daniel and saw him worshiping God in his house and praying to the God of Israel, they went and reported back to the king, and the king said, what shall we do now? They said, we'll throw him into prison. The king said, we can't do that. They said, you signed it, you signed it, and it's irrevocable. The king was sad. The scripture had it that that night, the king could not sleep. In fact, he fasted and chased away every kind of entertainment from himself. He was sad. And the next morning, the king was the first to get to the lion's den. And called the name of Daniel. Daniel, servant of the living God, is the God that you serve able to preserve you? Daniel shouted, Yes, my Lord King, I'm alive and well. The God that I serve shut the mouth of the lions. And the king ordered that Daniel should be brought out. And then all the people who conspired against Daniel were thrown into the lion's den. The lion ripped them apart, broke their bones. The Bible has a record, really. Broke their bones. You know, not only them, because we're talking about a good name, they carried their wives and children and joined so that the name can be eradicated. Yeah. Let's cancel the name completely. Bad name. Yeah. And then the king, in the last two verses of Daniel chapter 6, ordered... That in his realm, nobody should disdain the God of Daniel. And everyone must accept the fact that the God of Daniel is a real God. And is the God to be served. Let's assume that just in the same manner with Daniel, that God is counting on only you to turn Nigeria around. Just you, you. He has had to leave all of us. Just you. To give, to change the national psyche. Because that was what God did to Daniel. That the king will proclaim it. That the God of Daniel is the God to be served. Let's assume that God is counting on you. Would it happen like it happened in the day of Daniel? That's a big question today. 
Let's assume that God is counting on you in that industry, whether it's banking, oil and gas, or agriculture, or whatever it is, that God is banking on you. That through you, he wants to cleanse your industry. He wants to do something differently. He wants a proclamation to come out that this is the person to follow. Whoever is helping this person is the only person that will help us to get out of this situation. Will that happen? That's the question. That's the big question today. So from the life of Daniel, we saw four cardinal qualities that I believe all of us must think about very critically. And as we go further into this series, uh, we will seek to look at these areas a little bit more so that we can wake up to the reality of the fact that God is doing something in our days and he wants us to be a part of it. And the only way to be a part of it is to exemplify the values that he represents. Cardinal qualities of Daniel. One, an excellent attitude. An excellent attitude. If you read all through the book of Daniel, you'll see a part of his story that extrayed his life. You see an excellent attitude. We live in a time and an age where Christians have extremely bad attitude. Attitudes that you cannot trace to somebody who professes to be a child of God. Cantankerous, you know, attitudes, you know, some, some bad teachings that have taught us that you can't trust anybody. Yeah. And you have to look out for yourself because nobody is watching your back. Almost everybody around you is an enemy. Daniel had an excellent attitude coming from a great heart. Secondly, faithfulness and diligence at work. You cannot claim to serve the holy God and be the holy person and you mess up your work anyhow. You do it anyhow. You know, Christians are the ones that they will say the, the report is supposed to come in at 4 p.m. and you bring it the next day and you are praying for favor. Why don't you do a good job and turn it in on at the right time? And you see that favor becomes automatic because God loves it when we are astute in our delivery. The king saw that thing in Daniel. Promotion was inevitable because the king was standing for what was right. Faithfulness and diligence at work. We can't claim to be Christians and we deliver bad jobs. Yeah. You see, can I tell you the truth? If I want a chair and I want to pay good money for it, I don't care whether you speak in tongues, whether you know God or not. If you make chair for me, and three legs are touching the ground. The last one is not touching. I will return your chair for you and collect my money. It's not by church member. This is good work. Yeah. I hope you understand what I'm saying. If I find an unbeliever that will make chair, that the four legs will touch the ground, I will pay him and buy. Yes. I said it. We, there too, there's, there's too much sentiment and emotionality that were brought into our faith and that's why we're lagging behind. 
Yeah. Is somebody following me today? I'm not saying we should not patronize each other and encourage each other. But let's encourage each other in good faith. If we say because we are a church member, we want to patronize your business, don't take it as license to do shoddy job. We'll be calling you, you won't pick. <laughs> Is it not my money? Yeah, that's what we're talking about. We call, call, call. When you not be oh, my sister. Sorry, my sister. Which sister? You know, one of the things that break my heart the most is when I try out of the call of duty as a pastor to help a church member to get a job. And the report I get is that the person is not delivering. It's very discouraging. Very discouraging. Because I, I know how I walk. If somebody asks me to lay hands on them, which I often do with gladness, what I expect is that the grace that is at work in my life, when it comes upon you, you will multiply it in your own area and get serious results. Something mind-blowing because of diligence. Whenever you see anywhere where something is working, people are working it. This church is miracle plus hard work. I tell you the truth. My associates are here. We, we walk. As in serious walk. Because yeah. some people just want to come to church and ask for something. If we're not diligent, if we're not managing things well, where will you get this, the thing from? And then we say, do a good job. Walk. You don't want to walk. You just want to come and collect money in church. Let's stop it. And be diligent and walk. Is holiness is part, diligence is part of holiness? Yeah. If you don't deliver a good job, you will lie. Yeah. If you don't deliver a good job, you will lie. You will have to lie to cover it, to cover it here and there. That's where it starts from. Daniel delivered. Yeah. He did a good job. A Jew, quite all right. Good job. Then the blessing of Abraham took over from there. Daniel served four kings or so. Every administration retained him because of integrity and diligence. Daniel also had personal purity of the highest caliber. The highest caliber. The one that we all need to aspire towards. Personal purity of the highest caliber. And lastly, consistency in his work with God. You know the reason why some of us are finding it very difficult to live a life of integrity, character, and holiness is lack of consistency in our work with God. Jesus said, pray that you enter not into temptation. When you can't even remember the last time you prayed, why won't temptation overwhelm you? Somebody say with me today. Yeah. You see in the life of Daniel, consistency in his work with God consistency in his work with God. And that leads me to something. And that is the issue of separating religion from a consistent work with God. We have to do it. Yeah. We have to land on that in this series. Separating 
religion from a consistent work with God. We live in a nation where everyone has a religion. Yeah, almost everybody. The truth is that Africans are, you know, Africans are non natural atheists. We can't be atheists. You understand? If you see any African that says an atheist, he's just deceiving himself. The way, the way we are packaged, we, we like to worship something. We met our ancestors worshiping something. How then do you become an atheist? I don't understand it. This is where I'm going. Even in this nation, we're almost split in the middle. Muslim, Christian. The rest, maybe idol worshippers or whatever. Everybody's worshipping something. Including your boss. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah. But this is what I'm saying. There's a difference between embracing religion and living a godly life. A huge difference. A huge difference. A very big difference. Let's read 2 Timothy chapter 3 from verse 1 to 5. 2 Timothy 3 from verse 1 to 5. Can you put that up for me quickly? But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. And those are the days we're living in right now. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, including spiritual parents, pastors, and church leaders, completely disobedient, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Look at verse 5, that's where I'm going. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power Except from such people, turn away. Having the form of godliness, but denying the power. If you read it from New Living Translation, that particular verse 5, from New Living Translation, 2 Timothy 3 and verse 5, it says they will act religious, but they will reject the power that will make them godly. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. I believe that's where we are as a nation and as a people, and it's time to start to do something differently. Because the same power of God that heals the sick in our nation is that same power that that empowers somebody to live right. How come when it comes to breakthrough, it works? When it comes to awakening our conscience, it doesn't work. Something is wrong. Something is definitely wrong. In 2012, a man by the name El- Elneta John, who runs a blog, wrote an article that he titled How to Worship the Nigerian God. After reading the article, the article became popular. I don't know how many of us read it. After reading the article, the question that rang in my mind was, is there really a Nigerian God? Or only one God that we all serve? Because the way and the, the, the version of Christianity that we have embraced as a people is confusing. 
having a form of godliness, but denying the power to transform internally. So, uh, Nathan had this to say about the Nigerian God. <laughs> he says, first, you must understand, I'm reading from the third paragraph, you must understand that being a worshiper has nothing to do with character. That's be the worshiper of Nigerian God. Has nothing to do with character, good works, or righteousness. So the fact that you choose to open every meeting with multiple prayers does not mean that you intend to do what is right. The opening prayer is important. Nothing can work without it. If you are gathered to discuss how to inflate contract, begin with an opening prayer or two. He said, if you are gathered to discuss how to rig election, begin with a prayer. The Nigerian God appreciates communication. He says, when you sneak away from your wife to call your girlfriend in the bathroom, and she asks if you will come this weekend, you must say, in addition to yes, by God's grace. The Nigerian God likes to be consulted before you do anything, including a trip to Obudu to see your lover. <laughs> Glory be to Jesus. He says, uh, in one of the paragraphs, he says, consult the Nigerian God when you don't feel like working. The Nigerian God understands that we live in a harsh climate when it is hard to do any real work. So if you have no clue or how to how to be in charge and things start collapsing, ask people to pray to God and ask for his intervention. I was trying to throw a shade at, you know, maybe the administration as at that time. Uh, it says, the Nigerian God loves elections and politics. When you have brought people to get the party's nomination, use thugs to steal and stop ballot boxes. Intimidated people into either sitting at home or voting for you, lied about everything from your assets to your age, and you eventually, in bracket, through God's grace, win the election. You must begin by declaring that your success is a wish of God and that the other candidate should accept it as the will of God. <laughs> Glory be to Jesus. Let me read one more. Uh, so the Nigerian God is also online. As a worshiper, you are not obliged to be good or decent on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram all week except on the worship day. So on Sundays and maybe Fridays uh, for, for Muslims, says both of which are Nigerian gods, uh, which Nigerian gods mark as holy, so you may forward obscene photos, insult people, forward lewd jokes on all days except on those holy days. So you follow a Christian, maybe a member of this church on Instagram. They can post anything. It's only on Sunday that they will post, oh, 
Jesus loves you or something. But on Tuesday, it can be half nude picture showing almost everything. You understand? Another day is. Yeah. That's what they do. And you, you, you ask yourself, what's really going on? What's really going on? What's really going on? Is there truly a different God for Nigeria that, that means that people who proclaim to worship God cannot be Christians every day? Except on Sunday. Glory be to Jesus. Enough of that. Let me wrap it all up. One of the messages that, that's prevailing in the church today is what we call the message of grace. There's nothing new about the message of grace. It's the same thing that has ever been established that Jesus paid for our sins. And that there's nothing you're going to do that will take God by surprise. And that God has made a provision for your salvation. The only thing is that if you don't listen to the grace message very well, you may take it as license for sin. And there's, there's really nothing like that. And that's where I want to end. That there is enough power in the word of God and by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to turn somebody around inside out. So, when people say that we're under grace, and just behave anyhow, and God will forgive you your sins. I like to say that the fact that we are not under the law does not make us lawless. Lawlessness will yield a riotous life. The proponents of grace, Paul the Apostle, encouraged us to make sure that we run a good race. In fact, what Paul said in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13 is that it is, in verse 12 he said, uh, um, can you put it up for me? He said, for verse 12, verse 12, verse 12, quickly. He said, therefore my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It says, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. We are not under the law when the dispensation of grace. The Bible says the law came through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The way grace works is that grace is an internal empowerment that works from within out. I don't know if I get it. The law focuses on what is happening outside. Don't do this. Don't do that. Grace is an internal regulator that regulates you from within. Law creates boundaries. Grace brings liberty. But liberty with internal regulation. So that my conscience can be alive. 
My conscience is the voice of my human spirit. When empowered by the Holy Spirit, which indwells me, I know what is wrong and what is right. I'm no longer only guided by laws around me. There's a law within my system by the help of the Holy Spirit that guides my action and that guides everything that I do. And this is how the scripture recommends that we live. And I want to encourage everyone under the influence of my voice today that we must guard the faith that we have received jealously that we may be able to pass it to the next generation. If we don't want the next generation to throw this faith back on our face and say it didn't work for you. Yeah. When Jesus said it is easier for the camel to pass through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And the disciples said, ah! That means this thing is going to be so hard. And he said, with man, it may be impossible. But with God, all things are possible. It means that a life of moral uprightness and character can only be lived by the help of God. Some having a form of godliness but deny the power. When we decide to embrace the power, the power works within us. And from inside out, the grace of God, you know, that brought salvation has appeared unto all men, teaching us to live aside loss and ungodliness and embrace a life of character. That's what grace does. So I want to encourage everyone under the influence of my voice today. One, I need you to Get the messages of this series, whether you are around all through or you have to travel in between, get all the messages. Do something with it. Because we're going to continue on Wednesday. Do something with it, which is listen to it with your closest friends, your spouse, your friends. Be like Iberian Christians. The Bible says after they had listened to Paul, they went home and checked those things out themselves to see whether the things that Paul is saying is true. That's the only way it becomes your personal revelation. This country will only change when all of us, professing the name of Jesus, will not only attribute the power of God to our individual breakthrough, but our collective breakthrough, which is a nation under God that has received the help of God. When the Bible says righteousness has not a nation, he wasn't talking about individual righteousness. No. It was national righteousness. Because he was speaking to a nation. So we can have pockets of individual righteousness, but it will move our nation forward. It has to become pervasive. Where we can take charge of an institution and decide this is how this place is going to run. And the voice of righteousness becomes the voice of the majority then our light will start to shine in the midst of darkness and darkness will not be able to comprehend it. And things will start to change more rapidly. Rome is not built in a day. It's one block after the other. And that's how this nation is going to change. But God is counting on you and he's counting on me. He's counting on you and he's counting on me. And he expects us to apply our faith to build a good name that we can pass down to the generation coming. Lift your two hands to Jesus today and ask him for grace. Grace. 
Ask him for grace. Tell him, Lord, give me grace. I want to live a life of holiness. I want to live a life of moral uprightness. I know it is possible through you. It is possible through you. There's anyone who has suffered anything because of a life of uprightness. It's time for you to actually ask God. I say, Lord, restore, restore, restore. 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 Because if there's any man that will stand for God, God is willing to stand for them. I want you to talk to God, talk to God this afternoon. Talk to God this afternoon. There's grace flowing over this house for a cleansing, for an awakening of conscience. God wants to reawaken us to the standards of his kingdom. That we may not continue to pay lip service to it. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We receive grace over everyone under the influence of this message today. We ask that you reawaken us from within. Help us to understand what you are doing in our days. Help us, our Father. Heal our hearts. Heal our nation. Help us to embrace a good name, to make a choice to build a good name. A name and brands that will be synonymous to integrity, to character, to moral uprightness. Lord, that's what we ask for. And we know it's only possible by your grace and your power. We thank you, our Father. As we go into a new week and a new month, we receive grace to stand for you. To shine our lights in the midst of darkness. In the precious name of Jesus. Father, we bless your name. We praise you, our God. Still in the attitude of prayer.